0: Good morning, family. It is so good. It's so good to be, to be back in church and, and, um, and be able to, to do what I am called and love to do and uh, share God's word. I am, um, thank you, Joe. I think I'll take that one. I'm, uh, as many of you already know, um had a pretty good pretty good bout with covid i i don't like that thing and uh and and uh have uh, recently been able to get off oxygen and i um i've been you know chomping at the bit because i just feel like god's given me something and so today i i'm sorry i i, I probably you know um normally would have uh, waited a week, but um, you'll have to deal with a raspy voice and maybe a periodic cough, but um, I, I just really wanted to speak to, to, uh, to you and uh, just give you what I believe the Lord has laid upon my heart, um, in, uh, and, and because there's, there's been a, a lot of questions that have come my way, but before we do, could we pray, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you grateful for the opportunity for us to, be, to gather together. And, uh, and Lord, for those who are watching online as well, we ask for your blessing and, uh, Lord, your ministry of your Holy Spirit. For Holy Spirit, you're not bound to any location, and we're grateful for that. We ask God that you would bless as we bring the word. I ask God that, Lord, you'd fill me overflowing as I share what you desire, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, I have had a lot of questions come my way. Um, People who have called, in fact, I've had a couple conversations with some folks (coughs) who um, they actually called because they had some problems going on. And they had wanted to, you know, ask if I would, uh, you know, talk with them. And uh, and it ended up being that the problem that they called for wasn't really the thing that was mostly bothering them. And so, we ended up usually kind of going down the road of, you know, the conversation, like, where's our country going? And where is God in all of this? And what is God doing in in this, you know, season, this time? What's happening? and. Uh, and, and, and one person said, he said, asked this question, is, is God done with America? That was the question. Is God done with America? And my answer is, absolutely not. No. No, you're, you're not understanding at all. God is not done with America. Could he be? Oh, he could have. been. I believe that. I believe God could be. He could have been. It's not that we haven't done enough that God could say, I'm done with this country. I mean, we have done some horrendous things, you know, in in our country, especially you know, in the last, you know, 40, 50 years. I mean, well, I shouldn't say especially because we didn't start off so good either. I mean, we've had some pretty bad things that we've, you know, walked through in in our, our nation that have been sinful and and harmful and, and all of that. But God's not done with America. And let, let me tell you. Um, <clears throat> I was asking the Lord. Um, and, and the reason I, I, I can be this confident in, in, in this. One of, the, one of the reasons. There's actually several. But one of the reasons is because I, um, I, was, I was asking God. Not, you know, after the election and things. And I, I was saying, I was saying, Lord, why didn't you answer? Whoa. Anybody get shot? <laughs> Where's our safety team? <clears throat> um, our, I, I was asking the Lord, you know, after, after the election and things, I, I, I was saying, Lord, why didn't you answer our prayer? It seemed like we, you know, there were a lot of people praying. And uh, and the Lord said this to me. He said, I, I did. I, you did? And and I realized, I, I'll tell you, I realized that, in, in fact, what I felt the Holy Spirit then asked me, what was the promise that you were holding on to when you were praying? And I says, well, generally, I think, We've been all praying from 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. So that's primary it. And then I felt like the Lord said, I answered the prayer. And, and then I heard the this word that, has been resonating. This word of the Holy Spirit. This is what the word of God. This is what I felt the Lord was saying. The winds of revival. Are beginning to blow. The winds of revival. Are beginning to blow. Now, now I know. <clears throat> that there. If you're. If if you feel like I I did on a political level, I was was very concerned about the unborn. I'm very concerned. I am pro-life through and through because I'm absolutely convinced that the Bible is pro-life, that God is pro-life. I'm absolutely convinced that the scripture is very clear that even before we were... You know, uh, before we were born, while we we're in our mother's womb, God calls us, and the Holy Spirit filled John the Baptist while he was still in the womb. That that the Bible doesn't use the term, um, you know, the, the, it uses the term baby or child when it refers to, you know, it's not a fetus in the scriptures; it's a child. So, <clears throat> I mean, there's I, I've done a, enough on that, and and I don't want to be you know, it's not—it's not something I want to bring up. I've been bringing up a lot since, especially the the election. It's not something I want to preach on every Sunday. You know, that's—but—but it's—it's it, a—it's an issue that, when it was coming to the the election and all that, was very concerned. And it proved out, right? Already, um, this administration has already signed laws so that the United States can pay for abortions all over the world. I don't know how many babies will be killed as a result of that one order. I mean, this, it's, it's already horrendous, and, and there's things that j- already are breaking my heart. You know, you can't send your, your daughter, and, and she can't go into the, um, in, you know, go to school and, uh, and go in the locker room and, uh, and change, because you don't know who's gonna be in there. Laws have been changed. Anybody can identify and say, hey, I'm a girl. And uh, so do you want your daughter submitted to that? I mean, there are things like that. There are moral, moral issues that I think are, are, you know, it's what we were concerned are, of, are already happening. And uh, in fact, I have one friend who actually voted for this administration and is already, already backing up and saying I made a mistake. Well, I don't know how many will do that. And that's not my intent. But so we don't know all the political change that is happening. But here's what I do know. God has an overriding plan. it, It is an overriding plan. And the culmination of all that believers have always been looking for, it's called the blessed hope. All that we've been dreaming about, I believe, is we're heading, we're coming to that place. And so what, what does the political landscape, what could God be doing in the political landscape that is that is moving forward toward his ultimate end? There are th- two things that are going to happen at the end that God has made promise of. One is that all Israel will be saved. The, the, the Jewish people are going to have a revival. It's going to cost them dearly. There's going to be a lot of pain before they get there. But there is going to be a revival. God has made a promise that that is going to happen. Israel right now, and when we look to Israel in so many ways because God has put his hand on that nation for a specific reason. Israel today, though, you, you understand, is one of the most secular societies in the world. In fact, they're number one in abortion. Number one. They, they have more abortions per capita. I, you know, per capita, of course. But they are they are they're extremely... Extremely ungodly. I mean not I don't mean that there aren't godly people there, they are there are. So when we talk about Israel, we'll understand this is a very secular, but it's a it's a secular nation that has a promise from God. And God's gonna do something in all that. There's prophetic direction. Some things are happening. Right now, in fact, so much is happening. I'm not going to be dealing with that now, but we will in, in the near future talk about there are changes happening in Israel that are so prophetic, so in line with, with, with what God has said is going to happen. Israel, just as last week, said that they're going to target nuclear facilities in Iran. They're not going to allow any. They, they will target. Now, that's a, that's a difficult task. But they publicly have made that statement. I think they made that statement because of our new administration. And they know that there's, you know, the plan is to reestablish the Iranian you know, uh, deal. And Israel says you can't do that because if you do that, they're gonna have a nuclear weapon. It, it leads them to a nuclear weapon. And so Israel is so against that. So there is a prophetic direction. Right? And I don't have time to go through all of that. There's a prophetic direction that is happening. And I really believe that, um, you know, I, when I say God is, you know, w- God's not done with us. I believe God is going to bless America. But I, I don't believe fully. I, I don't think we've been blessed fully. I think we've suffered tremendously because of some of the sin in, in our nation. And the brokenness of families the deterioration of our culture. So many things have happened as a result. I'm, I'm really not sure that this, in fact, this, this pandemic is not, I, I don't believe God gave it to us, but I do believe that God has withheld many blessings and protections against America for quite a while because of our sin, but God is not done with us. And, and I believe he heard the many prayers that said, God, heal our land, touch us. And I want you to know this, that no political decisions can stop the move of God and, and what God can accomplish. <clears throat> no laws can be changed. You know, these laws are opening up, making it easier for abortion. That's the goal. That's one of the goals. There's plenty of goals um, that are ungodly in this way. But that's one of the goals. But I want you also to know that with the move move of God, do you think that God can't limit the amount of abortions even though there's laws that just open it up? Absolutely. What God can do, and, and how do I know? Because I have studied revivals in history where the culture is completely turned around because of the move of God. And I believe we're in a season where that wind is blowing. And I want you to be aware of the fact that more people are are awakened or more people are ready to come to Christ. And if we'll be open to the, and and move forward in the opportunities, move forward in the opportunities. And, 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 and I got rebuked yesterday. And um, I got rebuked from my wife. <laughs> we um, Somebody had had mailed, I mean, they, they got a package. It went, came to our house, the wrong house. And it was for somebody down the street. And so Carol, um, you know, she said, let's go for a walk. And I've been trying to get out a little bit, do some walking. So we went out and we walked together to the house. And I said to her, um, hey, just leave it there on the porch. I didn't want an interaction with the person. We don't know. And, uh, and at that time, didn't know, we didn't have masks on. And, and, she, uh, and, and she says, well, I, I would like to talk to him. I says, come on, let's just go. And she, so she kind of, um, she turned around, she walked with me. Um, and, and, then she, and then she said, um, I, I, I did what you said. I said, well, I wasn't demanding anything. I was just, you know, I wasn't like being an ogre. I'm not. But she said, she said, that could have been an opportunity to share Jesus. Oh. Yeah, it could have. It could have. We have to think that way more. It could be an opportunity to share Jesus. Jesus. We have opportunities, folks. We have to share Jesus. I believe this wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing. But I believe there's a time frame to it. And we have to move quickly. The The, the nation right now is people are being broken, absolutely broken, depressed, discouraged, And it's not just because of COVID. And it's not just because of anything that way. It's because sin breaks people. It breaks people's lives. And where sin, sin abounds, grace does much more abound. When sin is at its peak, that's when God can move the most and the best. That's when he does his best work. You understand that? Don't miss don't do like I did yesterday. Be open. So, then, kind of moving on to the next point, it's, um, we we uh, we're looking looking on Facebook, and uh, there's a local, um, I think it's called Anaheim Buzz, and it's a local Facebook group of people from Anaheim, and um, and someone, a lady. Uh, on that, asked this question. She said, um, uh, is, "Does anyone know of a church nearby that does doesn't talk politics?" That's what she said. <clears throat> doesn't talk politics, and that made me ponder some things. I mean, why would she asking that question? What does she mean by that? And I started to think of the fact, and and. Um, that the, how the church, we have not talked about politics. Uh, I'm not talking about us. I bring up things at times. Um, I'm not political in, in, you know, most of the things that I talk about at all. We, we get into scripture. But the church made a decision quite a while ago That that, I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about the church in America. Made a decision quite a while ago. That they would not get into the political arena, in fact, the tax exemption um, you know so called tax exemption rules say that um, the church can 't actually endorse a certain candidate, they can talk about subjects can 't endorse a certain candidate that that is unless you are on the other side of the aisle, then you can talk all you want and endorse anybody but but the the point is and when I say that, I kind of cringe that I even said that because I do not believe either our church or any church should be fully associated with one party. We're, we're about issues, not a party. And though maybe there are some primary things right now that I certainly have um, been pretty clear about, um, I don't think we should ever be considered a party, but we should be considered about the issues. And remember this, all laws are legislating morality. All laws are legislating morality. And not only that, this is going to shock some of you. Jesus was incredibly political. Say, where do you get that? When Jesus was calling out the religious leaders in his day, they were also the civil leaders. They were political leaders. Political leaders who met out punishment, prison time, made laws. All of that was done by the established religious community of that day. The only thing they couldn't do was they were limited to the death penalty They had to get approval from Rome for that. Even taxes were met out by the religious leaders of the day. So when Jesus was calling people out, if there were those who were critical from a political standpoint, they could say, Jesus is getting political. But he wasn't. He was dealing with the moral issues of the day. And when you deal with the moral issues, sometimes, you know, it looks very political. And because they, they're not mutually exclusive. They, they, they cross over all the time. One one individual was saying to me, a friend of mine actually, who was um, kind of, uh, we had opposite views. Of this, and, uh, and when I was talking about specifically, I go back to the abortion issue again. Um, <clears throat> when I was talking explicitly about that, he said to me this. He said, he says, you're a one issue guy. And I says, well, not really. I mean, there's a lot of issues. I said, I said but I- I'm-, I'm not opposed. If-, if that was the only issue, I'd be a one issue guy. And I said, and so will you. He said, what are you talking about? I said, I said to him, could we, let's just imagine something. Kind of a crazy imagination. I said, let's imagine that, w- that as a, a nation, what, one of the parties says, as they look back at, at slavery, and, and one of the parties says, you know, the problem wasn't really slavery. The problem was the way we did slavery. Actually, with a few tweaks we could tweak it and slavery could be actually very beneficial both to the slave and the slave owner. And that made, I think that the, the nation would benefit. And I think, you know, obviously that's stupid. But, but I was trying to get to a point. I said, if that was the case, would you be a one-issue person? Would you at that point say, I will never vote for that for For that that political you know group, I will never vote for that party that advocates slavery. He had to acknowledge that's that would be true. I says, then why is slavery worse than killing sixty million unborn babies? I says they're both evil. they're both evil so. This woman didn't want to be in a place that would ever talk about issues like that. Is is abortion a political issue? There are those who want to make it that way. It's a moral issue. It's It's a sin issue. It's an issue from God. So we say, where are you headed with this, Rick? Here's my second point more christians are being awakened to getting involved in our political system more than i've ever seen more christians are starting to go you know we've been burying our head in the sand and uh, <clears throat> and and they're starting to get angry about things that are really things that have been very costly in our nation there i heard two pastors ha- Conversing. In fact, one I heard this pastor repenting, and uh, he was um, he he was a Calvary Chapel pastor. Um, I love. Let, let me say this. I love Calvary Chapel. I don't know. You know. I'm. I don't know some of your experiences. My experience has been phenomenal. I love Chuck Smith. When I was a young young believer, I used to go to Calvary Chapel and hear the word of God. I listened to him on the radio. I love him. I have close friends in fact I have discipled I have people I discipled who are Calvary Chapel pastors today so I I know and and love the movement and uh, and love many of the pastors in it but years ago and this is what what this pastor was saying he was saying this he was saying our movement made a decision years ago not to get political and and just to preach the gospel and not to get political and he said, we made a mistake. We let too much go that should have been addressed. Not, not because it's political, but because it's moral. Because it's issues that God speaks about. And, and he, his, his buddy, who was also a Calvary Chapel pastor, says, yeah, I agree. And this guy said, no more. He says, it's not a matter of being political. He said, for me, I'm going to speak the truth no matter what it, and who it offends. And I want to say there are more pastors actually standing up to do that. I'm so grateful for that happening. I want to, um, I, I, I believe that, that we, we folks, we need to, to stand up, not just in the pulpit. I think we need to as, as members I think as Christians, I think there's things that we need to stand for in that. Now, I understand there are those who don't want to. In fact, there's a, a, a large congregation not far from here that would never talk about some of these subjects. They won't talk about some of the moral issues of sexual immorality and, and God's or, ordination for marriage and any of those kind of things. They would never talk strongly about those things because they're afraid of offending. I'm I'm kind of interested in that kind of concept because Jesus was incredibly offensive sometimes. Incredible, but loving, loving. He would say to people, you know, that he forgave. You know, go and sin no more. I mean, you're getting forgiveness, but don't do it anymore. He confronted sin. He offended people. In fact, the Bible says this. Woe to you, woe to you, if everyone speaks well of you. I've had to check my heart. Does everybody speak well of me? I'm not trying to find enemies. I'm not trying to get people to not like me. But I know this that if I speak the truth, the word itself will offend. Now, Here's the third point, last one. Many compromising, progressive churches are being exposed. Many compromising, progressive churches are being exposed. Now, this message, by the way, is not the way we normally teach, right? We normally open the scripture, we go through and we talk, um, this is kind of unique in the way that we're, I'm, I'm presenting it. But I want to take us to a text of Scripture. We always got to get in God's Word. And this text is really about that. And it's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 is where we're going to be. Okay? It says this but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood, you have have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, the, the, the person he's writing is a young pastor named Timothy. The author is Paul the Apostle. And Paul is writing this young pastor, giving him advice, and he says, the thing that you need to do is you need to continue in that which you were taught. Timothy's mother and grandmother were Jews, and he was raised in the Old Testament, taught in the Word of God, and then then he was led to the Lord by Paul. And he knew, has known Jesus. But he had this foundation of the scriptures. Remember, by the way, the New Testament hadn't been penned yet. In fact, this letter that Paul is writing will be in the New Testament. But it hadn't been penned yet. So here's, he, what he's hold on to is the word of God. And what it tells us this, is this, that this, the scripture, even the Old Testament, the Old Testament was able to make him wise to salvation. Everything he needed about salvation was found in the Old Testament as it looked toward the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Isaiah 53s and so forth, texts in the scripture that says that he will be wounded for our transgressions and so forth. That everything he needed was there and that he could hold on to those truths. And then Paul adds and says this, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word inspiration, as many of you know, is means God breathed. God breathed. And th- in other words, this. Even though men pinned it, the Holy Spirit led the direction of that. In fact, every word that these men pinned is exactly what God wanted so that we would have exactly what God wanted us to have in the scriptures. And then it goes on and it says, it's profitable for doctrine. That's teaching for reproof. You know, that's where the the word of God, you know, speaks into our lives and things that are not pleasant sometimes. Well, we need need that. For correction, that isn't necessarily negative. In fact, it's Positive. God corrects us. He corrects our life. Have you ever been reading the scripture and all of a sudden you go, okay, I've been going the wrong direction? Thank you, Lord. Any of you get that? Yeah, I hope you do. For instruction in righteousness, God tells us how to live a right life. And and we, we understand also that we have been imputed righteousness, that's how we're saved. God gave us his righteousness. But then we live out r- righteous lives. We don't live out our life just any old way. And we just don't just rely and go, I have grace. So I can do anything that my flesh desires. God says, no, you, you can't. You can't live that way. I won't let it. <clears throat> he says the ma- that the man of God, a woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So you have everything you need for God, for the work that God has called you to. God's word is complete and full. And then he says this, I want to charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. So what is he talking about? The second coming of Christ. Maranatha. Maranatha. You know what that word means? Some of our translations don't use that term anymore. The old King James did the Lord cometh, the Lord cometh. In fact, the Bible says, you know, those who do not love the Lord Jesus anathema, the Lord cometh, Maranatha, Maranatha, he's coming. So he takes, as he's writing Timothy, he says, I'm gonna take you to the, the end, okay? I'm gonna take you to the coming of the Lord. This is the reason, this is the foundation for you. Okay, the Lord's coming, so what do we do? What is he saying for this young pastor to do? The Lord's coming, preach the word. The Lord's coming, preach the word. I want you to know what it doesn't say. Preach about the word. There's a difference. There are those who will preach about the word. That means this, they'll tell you, they'll say, you know, the Bible says this, so this and this and this. Sometimes it ends in philosophy. The Bible says this. So here's a principle from the Bible, thus, thus, thus. And conclusions are made. Sometimes, many times, false conclusions. That's how false teachers operate many times. And he says, so preach the word. I had a professor in college. I've said this story before. Every year, the students vote. You know, the seniors vote vote. their favorite professor at the end of their senior year, of all the professors they were under in the years that they were in in, at the college. And every year, the same professor won, over and over. His name was Dr. Eno. He was an elderly man, had this raspy voice. And he used to say it just like this, students, preach the word. Mm -hmm. His main teaching was the book of Romans. And he taught it word for word. And and I would say, we need the word of God. Preach the word. Jesus is coming back. Preach the word. He said, be ready in season and out of season. Better have it in your heart. Because there's times you're going to need to preach the word. I I don't think he's just talking Timothy here. Maybe he's talking to you. Do you have it in your heart? In a place, in a time when you'll need it? When you're sharing with someone? And you can tell them the Bible says this. Be ready. In season and out of season. Convince. Rebuke. Oh, you can't rebuke. Is that loving? Exhort with all long-suffering and teaching, for the time will come. And I want to say, It's now. He says, the time will come. When is the time? It's now. It's now. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. See, their fleshly desires. That's what they're looking for. Fulfill my fleshly desires. Because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth. They're going to find teachers who aren't going to teach and preach and, you know, and proclaim God's word. They're going to find them. And be turned aside to fables a false teaching, their own vision or their own idea about God and his ways. But you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do not do the work of an evangelist. We need to do that. Fulfill your ministry. You have a calling. You have a calling. So where am I headed in this? And I'm, I'm closing. I'm not going to be much longer. But I need to give you some things. I was listening to um, a, a young man that was dealing with... Who <clears throat> was dealing with um, the, these celebrity pastors had fallen, these worship leaders who have had blogs and great followings and, and these influencers who also many of them have you know their blogs and their Facebook or um their their YouTube channels and all of this who have in recent times fallen. They they not just fallen some of them have fallen some of them have rejected their faith. And there are many, many followers that were following these these folks, and and uh, and he was talking about this, and he wrote this this article, um, and I just I, the whole article was good, but I lo- loved the title. The title was was uh, Let's Make Pastors Uncool Again. <laughs> and I said a healthy Amen, <clears throat> Amen. We, we're, we're not supposed to be celebrities. <laughs> we're supposed to be simple teachers of God's word. And there are so many that will compromise simply because it adds to their following. If they can compromise and not offend anybody, anybody can kind of be part of this whole thing. But it doesn't mean that they're teaching God's word. Some of them are phenomenal, inspirational t- teachers. They're, 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 they're phenomenal you know, in, in in their giftings, and they get these huge followings. And I'm not against biblical teaching that brings huge followings. It's not the size of the the following. I don't care about that. What I am concerned about is that there are these people who who really they're celebrity Christians. And then you find out later they've left the faith, or they've led the, 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 they've led churches into compromising places that in fact come to the place of denying Jesus as he who he, who he is. So here's a few things about them. These, the, 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 this guy made this comment, the same guy. He made this comment. He said, because there was this particular um, worship leader who had, um, man, he wrote quite a few songs and has this big following. And all of a sudden, he, he kind of disappeared for a while. And then he came out and he says, I no longer believe in Christ. I'm no longer a Christian. And, um, and, and he went on and said, I, I just can't get past, I can't believe that a loving God would allow the suffering that happens in the world today. Oh, that's something that grieves everybody. Everybody has to kind of deal with that. And this guy made this statement, which I thought it was great. He said, you mean after two decades of spouting your Christianity and and blogging and teaching and telling everybody, you never dealt with the problem of pain in the world? He says, where have you been? He says, that's the first thing you should have talked about, you should have learned about. When I was in college, one of the first things we dealt with, the problem of pain. We, we, we studied many books, but C.S. Lewis's book, The Problem of Pain. But there are hundreds of books written on that subject. And the guy said, are you so shallow? I mean, he was really harsh, but I think the guy deserved it. He says, are you so shallow that you've never dealt with that subject until two decades later to say that you're not a follower of Christ? You you didn't have enough to get started. You should have never got started. You should have found someone you followed and learned instead of in your arrogance. You know, and it's interesting um, because um, I was listening to Sean Sean McDowell. I don't know if any of you have heard Sean McDowell. Um, Sean McDowell is, uh, he's a um, he, his his father was a famous apologist, just an, a great, but I think Sean is actually a better communicator than his dad. His dad wrote 150 books. Um, Josh McDowell, tremendous, tremendous man of God. But but if you ever get a chance to get your hands on anything Sean has written or listened to, I encourage it. I'm, I usually don't pick out certain, but I've listened to enough of what he's done to say, this guy is... Um, he's good he's real good and he's a he's a great he's really good as an in a as an apologist but because of not only his status in that level but because of his ability to communicate he's actually connected with most of these guys who have at one time been these influencers and then they backslid and uh and or, or denied the lord completely and became atheists and uh, he he said it this way right he said Excuse me, I got shot again. He said, Of all the so-called deconstructed Christians, I want you to hear this, of all the so-called deconstructed Christian leaders, not one could, could recall a time when they ever got revelation of their sin and went through a time of true repentance for sin. He said, all of them, that their story, and, and I heard several of the stories, in fact, from the mouth of these folks as I was just doing a little bit of research. He um, said that almost all of them said things like, well, I went to camp and I had this great experience and I felt good and felt like God and, and I wanted a relationship with God and I went down this road, you know, of trying to be a Christian and, you know, some said I, I fell into, you know, a, a group of Christians they were wonderful. I felt good being around them and all of this and that's how I became a Christian and all of this. And not one of them said God broke me. I came to a point where I knew my sin had broken my life, that I needed forgiveness desperately, and I had no hope without God. They never went through the process of repentance. They never went through the process of understanding that their sin had separated them from God and come to the place of brokenness. It was all about the thrills. And so when the God that they imagined existed didn't do for them everything that they wanted or didn't approve of the things that they wanted to do, then it was easy to pull away from him because he wasn't the God who rescued them from hell because of their sin. He was the God who was only going to give them the good life. Folks, the truth matters. Doctrine matters. Here's a list, and I'm done. Well, I'm almost done. I'm over time but hang with me. I haven't preached in six weeks or <clears throat> five weeks. Okay, <clears throat> here it is. This is where progressive churches go. This is where they're headed. Now, all, not all of them have all these. Some of them are just on this, the, the pathway. They're starting down that road. They're, 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 they'll say, progressive churches will say, the Bible is the inspired is inspired word. The Bible is inspired. What they mean by that is not that the entire Bible is God-breathed. It's just inspiring. And then some of it might be God-word, and some of it might not. But the Bible is inspired. And they would even equate it, in some cases, with a good book that somebody has given that had some, maybe some thoughts in it that were in, very inspiring. They would equate that. But you'll hear the same language. In fact, in the pulpit, they'll say, the Bible is inspired. What they won't say is that the Bible is inerrant. See, the, 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 the Bible is not just inspired, not in the way they say it. It's God breathed. Every word is what God wanted, but it's inerrant. It's exactly what God wants, and there's no errors to it. Now, I know the secular world will say, "Well, the Bible contradicts itself." No, it doesn't. People who really know the Bible, no, it doesn't. They might they'll pick a scripture, but they don't know the the ins and outs. They don't know the 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 they don't know the the details, and they they certainly oftentimes don't know the 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 facts of it. Like, I, I remember being confused because the Bible says that God would take Israel into Egypt for 400 years. And then another Bible says, another portion said God will take Egypt, uh, uh, Abraham, I'm sorry, into Egypt and children of Israel into Egypt for 430 years. Well, you, well, I, I was confused. And the guy who, who was confronting me with it, you know, I was at that time, I was young in the Lord. I didn't know. I didn't know the fact was that God had told Abraham 30 years earlier, see, and that that 30-year gap had to do with the timing of, of when God said it one time and the time God said it another. I, there, there's so many things in Scripture that, that people can take, but if you know the Scripture, let me tell you, the Bible is inerrant. There's no error to it. But, but, but these churches, these teachers... They, they teach a new age view of love. Okay. New age view of love is this. Everything, in fact, I've heard Christians, even in our church, lean toward this. A new age view of love is, is a, a view that everything has to be in harmony with everyone. Agreeable. Never disagree. Uh, the, the, the operative word is Unity. It's all, we have to all be in unity. Well, Jesus taught to be in unity. He prayed that we'd be one. But but that we would be one under the truth of God's word. Under the truth of God's word. Well, this so-called love is, I will never disagree with you. In fact, if you tell me, you know, I, I, you know, I'm just trying things right now. I'm giving, you know, I'm giving a different, I, I want to do a different drug every every month until I find the drug that I like the best, you know? And you go, wow, that's wonderful. You know, just just try not to hurt yourself, but just love you. I'm, I'm you know, I understand what you're going through. And uh, if you just, you know, want to, maybe there is a drug out there that will make you feel better. I know know that's an extreme, but that's that kind of new age love that is being taught. We'll never confront, never address. No, don't, don't go down that road. You'll destroy your life. That's love. That's love. That's the biblical view of love. You will find this other view of love oftentimes in these, the, these kinds of things. See, it's unity, oneness at all costs. <clears throat> in fact, they will sacrifice good theology on the altar of unity. Jesus is a way. They, 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 they might even say, listen, you if you come to Christ, Christ is a way of salvation. No, he's not. He is the way. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. He who has a son has life. He who has not the son has not life, but the wrath of God abides on them. That's the Bible. That's the scripture. That's the truth. Universalism is a direction they're headed they not, aren't all there, but many of them are directed toward universalism. That is the idea that you really don't need Jesus, that God has, Jesus has died for the entire world. That means that everyone is saved. That's not what it means. It means he paid the price. But the Bible is very clear about what has to happen, that you must believe in the work that he has done. The wrath of God and, and hell are not literal, they'll say. Jesus is not the only way. Jesus didn't die to satisfy God's wrath. He, satisfied, he died to satisfy our wrath so we won't feel so guilty. See, these things come out. All religions are the same. No, you're picking a God. No, they're not all the same. <clears throat> Here's one I've heard several times you will either use the Bible to interpret Jesus or Jesus to interpret the Bible. Now, to say, use Jesus to interpret the Bible, that just sounds so good. It sounds so good. Yeah, Jesus can interpret the Bible. One, one writer was saying this. He says I, I go to, he says, I go to the Old Testament and I find something that bothers me. And what I do is I pray and I say, Jesus, is this your will here? And, and he said, Jesus said, what do you think, son? And he says, no, Lord, I, I don't think so. And Jesus says, you're right. That isn't my will. So this guy's imaginary Jesus tells him that the Bible in the Old Testament, in these places, isn't true. Isn't true. So he interprets the Bible through Jesus or his, mental, or his idea of Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said directly, you, he was talking to the Pharisees, he says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And listen to what he says. These are they which testify of me. In other words, he says... They say who I am. They say who I am. See, so Jesus. And then lastly, and this is the last one. The name of God you worship doesn't matter as long as you worship God. I think, you know those Jews who were worshiping the golden calf? At the bottom when they were waiting for Moses to come down with the Ten Commandments. I think they would disagree. I think something happened to them because they were worshiping a golden calf. By the way, they were using the name Yahweh, the name for God, when they were doing it. What do you do? I know I almost want to stand. You guys are ready to stand. What do you do? Pray. 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 Two things I want to give you to pray. There's a lot to pray for. But pray for revival. We're still praying, right? We're not done. Pray for this, the wind to go. Continue. Pray for our leaders. And you've heard this before. It's 2 Timothy 1. Let me tell you why you need to pray for our leaders. Pray for the president. Pray for the vice president. Pray for the Supreme Court. Pray for our senators. Pray for our leaders. Why? Because when someone gets into the place of power... There are principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. When they get into the place of power, the demons, the kingdom of darkness goes for them. Goes for them. So right now, the demons from hell are trying to get to to, to Joe Biden. You say, Mate, I'm telling you, the only solution is for the church to pray because then it pushes back hell. Hell has a strategy. And it's, it's worse than any politician's strategy. And they're smarter. We have to push back hell. And if you don't pray, I prayed for all the presidents that, you know, in, in, since I learned in the, the importance of that many, many years ago. You pray for the presidents. You pray that, that the, the enemy will keep at bay. You pray for God to influence. You pray. No matter what they make, no, no matter what choices they make. Fulfill your call. Fulfill your call. God has called you. Please, listen to the Lord. Serve him. You know, maybe spend, maybe the time you're not going to spend watching the news as much, maybe you can spend that finding ways in which you can minister, touch people's lives. And then lastly, get involved and speak out locally. Calvary Chapel, San Jose, Um, there... They're under, they, they, they have met like, tried to meet like we have been meeting. I mean, other than a, a couple of times because of some COVID outbreak, we've, we've never stopped meeting. They tried. They're, they're meeting, but they have been given, the, San Jose has attacked them. The, they, they've, 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 um, they've put huge fines on the pastor and the youth pastor and the church million and a half dollars the difference between them we're, we're meeting no one's bothering us why our local leadership but we need to always be aware local leadership has more authority than we give credit to and what and the influence that they have in our life especially school boards and so forth keep alert what's going on let's be more alert who we're voting for and who we're praying for and even at times, times we need to, to, to see what's on the agenda and show up to, to, to meetings, to city meeting, board meetings and so forth. Let's be aware. Let's get more involved that way. Let's, let's be influencers. Not just in our local neighborhood or, or workplace. Let's be, let's be influencers in our le- the leadership in our city and towns. Let's do that. I'm done. But I just want you to know, I want to pray for you. Listen, I say I'm done, God isn't. God's not done. Folks, folks, look, keep your eyes open. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the winds of the Holy Spirit are blowing. Some of us feel like that's happening right now, but that's the air conditioning that's been on. It's a little bit bit stronger than it needs to be. You might need to bring your parka next week. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll fix it. Father, thank you. We love you. You're such a good God. Lord, you're so powerful. Lord, we're on this ride with you. <laughs> it's fun to watch what you're doing. Some things we don't understand, but Lord, we know that as we continue to keep our eyes open, oh, it'll, we'll find out. We'll see, you, you, you reveal yourself always. Lord you've empowered us we love you God we love you love you love you it's good to serve you yes. it's good to be part of the body of Christ your word is good and true thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank oh let's Jesus. worship him
1: thank you Jesus <clears throat> thank you God bless you God so, Lord, we wanna, I love that like the winds of revival we want to partner with you, God. We don't want to miss what you're doing. We want to prophesy this morning.
2: So let it rain. Let it rain.
1: I'll open the floodgates of heaven. Oh, that again.
2: the rain of your love, feel the winds of your spirit, now the heartbeat of heaven, let us hear, Lord. God, we pray.
1: how we need an outpouring God of your spirit. Thank you that you're faithful to move. We want to see what you're doing. We want to see your glory. (laughs) Show us, God. Open our eyes to see in our hearts, to know what you're doing. Oh, we need a move of God. Do that, Jesus. Start with us, God, as we go. Transform our hearts and our minds. Start with us, God, we pray. Lord, bless my brothers and sisters as they go. Open our eyes to see what you're doing and to see your glory and to see your goodness manifest, God, in this land, we pray. Thank you that you're faithful. Amen, church, He's faithful. Amen, amen. Listen, God bless you as you go. We will see you Wednesday night for Bible Study. Okay, take care.